Today is the second in a three-part series about God's plan and God's will. It's a topic I love to think about um, because I think that maybe I have kind of a different perspective than a lot of other folks. Today I want to tell you a story about my daughter, Jenna. Now, um, this is uh, quite some time ago when my daughter was a freshman in high school. And uh, Jenna, um, let's see, how can I describe her? Um, cheerleading co-captain? Maybe that helps. Um, and Jenna had one of those best friend arch enemy rivals. Do you know what I mean? And her best friend arch enemy was Molly, and we carpooled together. On one hand, they loved each other, they laughed uncontrollably, and shared every thought and most of their breaths. But on the other hand, they were hyper-competitive rivals on the same cheerleading squad who could speak with a little bit of ice with one another if things weren't going well. Whenever you saw the two together, which was constantly, you could instantly determine if they were in best friend or arch enemy mode. Now one morning as I was taking Jenna to school, I could tell things were not going well with Molly. Molly wasn't in the car on this carpool. And even though the early morning conversation is um, usually an unrealized art form in our morning carpool, I chose to venture into my daughter's world with questions about Molly. So I broke the silence. So, hey, Jenna, how's Molly? Fine. Articulated quickly and firmly. Now, Jenna, I, I know things have been rough between the two of you. Have you thought about praying for her? My daughter did not move her stare from the passenger window. I don't believe she even breathed. She didn't offer a response, but I imagine her silence screamed something like, my dad's a crazy religious fanatic. Much to Jenna's dismay, I didn't give up. Really, Jenna, have you thought about a prayer? Maybe something like, um, God, help me to be who Molly needs for me to be today. Jen, could you give that a try? Now, either there was something really interesting outside her window, or she was diligently avoiding a look in my direction. Her lack of response encouraged me to continue. I mean, Jenna, I imagine that today is not going to go well. I can see you sitting in class, contemplating the next moment you will likely run into Molly. You might be planning on how you will stare her down in the hallway. I wonder if you will rally friends around your disappointment between classes. I bet you spend time organizing your wounds, preparing your defenses, and nurturing yourself. I can see how your day is shaping up, and I was just hoping for something different. Prayer might help. My daughter replied without movement or sound. I didn't give up. Because, Jenna, if you say a prayer, something like, God, help me to be who Holly needs me to be today, I bet your day would be entirely different. What if you said that prayer ten times? Um, and what, what if you really meant it two of the times? And what if you contemplated the significance of that prayer just one time today? What could today be like? Maybe God could use a simple prayer for Molly as a way to bless both you and Molly. And even though you're praying for Molly, you might just receive peace in your heart. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Well, it was a good thing my self-esteem did not need a response, because it didn't get one. Now, there are two kinds of kids when it comes to exiting carpool. There are some who do not begin the process of packing their bag and putting on their coat until the car has come to a complete stop. Well, not my kids. 
They typically sit in their seatbelts with their backpacks on, ready to exit at the first sign of departure. Even as the car begins to slow down, they have their seatbelt off, their hand on the door handle, and Fred Flintstone feet ready to meet the moving ground beneath them out the door. And as we sat at the end of the line of cars, before Jenna could make an exit, I can't believe it, but I grabbed her wrist with my right hand. I had a pen from my pocket in my hand with my left hand, and I drew a fish on the inside of her wrist, and she looked at me with horror. You know, that simple little fish, like out of the Bible, the ichthus. Jenna, now every time you see this fish tattoo, say a prayer for Molly. Even if you catch a glimpse of it while, while playing the oboe and band, or while reading in English, or walking down the hall, just say a quick prayer, Jen, and I promise you, God will hear you and make a big difference in your day. We pulled up a few more places in line, and Jenna made signs of an early escape. I gave her the pen, and I held out my right hand over my stick shift, and I said, Jenna, put a fish on my wrist, and I will be praying for you and with you. I believe Jenna conceded that there would be no easy exit from the car without pacifying my request. She quickly made the mark, more of a scar than writing, and bolted out the door to freedom and independence. Now, I drove to work, and I imagined the day ahead for Jenna. I prayed like crazy. The silly fish, uh, the silly scar on my wrist became annoying because it constantly caught my eye, and I demanded, and it demanded my prayerful attention. But the more I prayed, the more I excited I became for Jenna's spiritual journey that day in school. And at the end of the day, I sat in our family room, a family room, eagerly anticipating Jenna's return from school. I felt like Lassie waiting for Timmy to come home through the door. I tried to look casual and uninterested when Jenna returned after cheerleading practice in Molly's carpool. Jenna entered our home, threw her backpack on the floor. And I said, so how was your day, Jen? Fine. And she disappeared upstairs to her room. No, I was cool with that. I'd seen that before and I could be patient. I could hear a report later, but a report did not come at the dinner table. A report did not come throughout the evening. A report did not come even as I kissed her goodnight and I closed the door to her room. But I could wait no longer. So, how did it go with Molly today? Fine. Articulated quickly and firmly. Then I stood in the hallway, disappointed. I'd closed the door. Surely this was a day when God could have stepped up and made a real impact in Jenna's life. In the midst of my remorse, God put a spiritual slap on my forehead. Now, don't, un don't misunderstand. There were no audible words. But God put a nugget of awareness within my being. It was not about the fish on Jenna's wrist. It was about mine. I nearly staggered with the thought. When had I ever spent the entire day praying for my daughter? And what difference did that fish make on my personal journey that day? What did I learn about life, about prayer, about trust in God's ability to make a significant difference in my relationships? Would I continue to pray for my children with that kind of conviction, discipline, and eager anticipation without a fish on my wrist? Humbled, I walked downstairs, thankful for the lessons learned, determined to keep a focus on prayer, and willing to allow God to shape me. Now, several days later, I noticed the fish on my wrist had faded. Jenna came down for her speed breakfast, and I noticed her fish was as dark as the day I gave it to her.
So I looked at her and I said, Jenna, bathe. What? She said, I showered. I said, then scrub your wrist with soap next time. Teenage sigh. Dad, I drew the fish back in. When you put it on me the other day, I was so ticked because you had the nerve to publicly embarrass me like that. Jenna rubbed my head as she passed my seat at the breakfast table, and she said, But today, I think I'm ready to give it a try. You can read about God's will for your life. You can study whatever think about God's will. You can listen to me. Folks can tell you about their experience, but there comes a time when discerning God's will for your life, it must be your own. Your will, your plan, your call. It is something you claim. It's something you pursue. God seeks relationship with you. It's yours to confirm or deny, pursue or neglect, grow or wither. God's will is for you to love. Your life is a continuation of one choice after another to answer God's will for you to be loving. Now to all who stand at a point of decision-making and desire to make your decisions a reflection of God's will for your life, choose the greatest love. Drop to your metaphorical knees, find your vulnerable countenance, then ask God for clarity on God's will to love. Imagine a fish tattoo on your wrist. Claim this clarity quest for your life. Consume yourself with prayer as you express your personal desire to comprehend what love demands of you. Silence yourself and listen. Love will show itself. Send out a prayer for what love requires of you in a day. Pray it ten times. Really mean it two times. And one time, let it just burn yourself in your core. And then see how love will show itself. Choosing love can be simple. And other times, it can be the seemingly impossible and unsurmountable. Sometimes, various loving opportunities in your life conflict with each other. I'll explain. Sometimes, what it means to love your neighbor competes with what it means to love yourself. Now, which love do you choose? Today, it may seem like choosing neighbor is the right decision, but tomorrow, it may be the opposite. This is why prayer, silence, and listening are significant and vitally important. Ultimately, your choices boil down to decisions of love, and God is in the business of blessing love. So don't be afraid. You are perfect. You are perfectly tasked for the love that you are challenged to pursue. You don't need to be anybody else. You don't need any different skills. You don't need any different talents. All you need is a desire to love. Perhaps you understand God's love for you through your beautiful creation. Perhaps you have witnessed God's great love for you through Christ. Perhaps you have experienced God's love through the extreme power of the Holy Spirit. You know about love. You got this. You know how to love. The hard part is choosing it. Now choose love and know this. God will hold you up. Continue to inspire and support your loving response. God will place people and opportunities in your path to enable you on your journey. 
Feel the strength of God's presence in this decision as you fulfill your purpose in life. And be ready. Love is challenging. It is not always easy. There is no doubt, even though the call to love is not unique among humanity, the call to love is extremely personal, and your response to it is unique to you. Be prepared. You may be so incredibly touched by love that you are inspired to find a vocation where living out God's love becomes your daily occupational agenda. I mean, that's what ministry is. This is a moment when you feel love so deeply that you are compelled to give your every breath to enable love in others. This is when God's love is so convincing that you can only imagine articulating it, sharing it, encouraging it, as you become it every day of your life. And get excited. Answering the call will demand exhilarating creativity. This path will force flexibility. It will require humility and demand a variety of different responses over time. It will not always be popular. It will not always be easy. But ultimately, it will always be a blessing. May God's will become my will. Tim Morrison, to love. May God's plan become my plan to extend love. May God's call become my call to inspire love. Pause. Press repeat. Play. May God's will become your will to love. May God's plan become your plan to extend love. May God's call become your call to inspire love. First Colossians, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, regardless of your journey of faith, whether you are new to a relationship with God or a veteran on a faithful path, today consider how the great commandments are more than suggestions from Christ. Perhaps these are eloquent, precise, and profound articulations of God's will for all of your decisions. They are God's plan for your choices and God's call on your life. And once you own these commandments, once you claim them as defining, once they consume you and challenge you, then you will know the transformation that comes through them. The commandments are simple. Love God, love neighbor, and love self. Now be motivated. Be intentional. Consider something like a fish tattoo on your wrist that reminds you of this perspective and compels you to live differently. Every time you see the fish on your wrist, may it elicit a prayer to love God, love neighbor, and love yourself. An intentional prayer like that, it will redirect your path, reshape your agenda, and redefine your purpose. You will become a vessel of love to people who are desperately needing it. You will become a vehicle of love in places where it is void. And as you grow in this pursuit, as you fill yourself to the brim with love's grace, the experience of love will bless and sanctify. 
The great commandments are just that profound. Get ready. You're perfect. You're absolutely perfect to be a manifestation of God's love.